Good morning. How's everyone doing? Great to be in New Jersey. Um, good morning. It's such a beautiful day outside. You can't help but be um, happy. <laughs> when, when the sun is shining, like, it's kind of like, you know, I, I feel like Superman, like I'm being recharged by the, the rays of the sun. So I love it. So, yeah. Uh, actually, first I want to say, um, do you have permission to be healed at any point in the service? You don't have to wait for ministry time or for prayer. I even feel like Holy Spirit's going to be depositing some things in your hearts while we speak. Yeah. Things that maybe you've been carrying that you need to get rid of, um, or areas of your life that you maybe want to make a shift in. So we're just expecting that to happen naturally, even while we're teaching. Yeah, and what I love about this is it's not about us, Gene and Lauren. It's about Holy Spirit and how he uses us and partners with us as a vehicle to kind of awaken things we already know here but don't know here. So I just release right now a revelation of God's love for each of you. And as we're speaking, that any, any lie of the enemy, anything that you believed before would be broken in Jesus' name. And we just declare truth over your hearts. And we thank you for having open hearts and inviting us and Holy Spirit to transform you today. Amen. So Jean and I, we, um, we have a ministry and a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 called Wounded No More. And um, the, the title is, is, uh, represents several facets of our life. Um, so Jean served in the Air Force for 20 years. So we, um, thank you. Yeah, so we, um, we, we love our military family, and we, we do everything we can to support and, and really teach people um, how a life of service is so important, not just to our military and our country, but to each other, right? And so that's kind of one of our things. Also, um, we have the ability and the talent to be able to draw people that are extremely broken to us. Um, people that have been hurt in the worst ways, emotionally, physically, um, spiritually. And so we just recognized, okay, God, if you keep bringing us these people, then there must be a reason. <laughs> so um, he really gave us a heart to see people restored. So Wounded No More is a ministry and a nonprofit that focuses on the restoration of the mind, body, spirit, and community while teaching others to do the same. And so we are missionaries to D.C., um, it's funny because we're, we're also pastors, but we don't have a church. Our church is actually the streets, which is where we like to be. Spot. It's the best place. And, um, and, and we decided that we weren't going to start a church because D.C., which is only 10 square miles, has 600 churches already. So we thought, you know what? If there are already 600 churches, why don't we minister to the leaders of those churches and people in those churches and teach them how to bring the love of God to their own churches so they can experience an awakening as well. And so that's what we do. But also, we, we work in the behavioral health field. So my background is social work, and Gene is a computer scientist. He has a PhD in cybersecurity, computer science stuff. So we, we come from a different kind of background, and we're able to speak to people on the street, which is what we do on a regular basis. We have a street ministry. And we focus on ministering to homeless, prostitutes, drug addicts on the south southeast side of D.C., which is kind of interesting. It's literally, if you see the Capitol, 
if you keep going down Pennsylvania Avenue south, you cross over the river, and that's where there's a really broken and kind of forgotten part of D.C., but not for long. <laughs> so we're super excited. We see transformation. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we found a, uh, a parking lot where the drug addicts and the, and the, um, the drug dealers, <laughs> et cetera, yeah. just like to hang out. And so we go there. We actually get hugs from the local drug dealer when we show up. They're, they're excited that Nobody we're there. Nobody messes with us right? It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be the most dangerous part of the city, but we never have a problem, so I guess we're doing something right. Yeah. And, uh, and we love it. We love just going out and ministering to the broken and the poor. Yeah. It's really our favorite place to be, and we love equipping others to go out and do the same kind of stuff. Um, and we've been doing that in that space for about a year, and we've seen every week we see miracles, every week we see transformations, every week we see somebody uh, look at us crazy and wonder why two white people are in their neighborhood. But that's good. We love it. We love all of it. We love yeah. what we're doing. Um, and we're just recognizing that there's so much importance to pursuing healing, not just from a physical perspective, but the emotional healing and the spiritual healing and all of that encompassed. Because we've seen, even though we've started down the healing path yeah. years ago, my dad had a healing ministry when I was a kid, so I grew up in some of this. And so I was familiar and I was, I was touched by the reality that you know, I got to see people get up out of wheelchairs when I was a kid, and I got to see all these crazy miracles. So I've always believed in that, but to recognize that there's even other woundings that we can carry, right? There's, yeah. there's emotional woundings that we can have in our lives. And so to recognize the importance of going after all of that and for having the discernment to go after all of that is really important, and that's a lot about what we want to touch on today. Yeah, and, and I think what's great about um, where we are and our story is that God has been so gracious to give us the ability to communicate with people from all walks of life. And I think that's something that, because we're a military family, we do well. We've had to transition in a lot of places where people don't speak our languages, don't look like us. And so it's been really easy to do because, I, I mean, I just love people. <laughs> so um, so we, the community has really welcomed us, despite all of the tension, you know, the racial tension in the city, the different things that are happening, and, and we love it. And even even some people might might not be sure why we're there, but when they find out that we're not there to sign them up for a program or try to get them help and we're there just to love on them, then their whole demeanor changes. And we're not there to judge them. We don't tell them, hey, you shouldn't be smoking weed. Like, we just say, hey, you know what? Can I just give you a hug? How can I pray for you today? And, and they love it. And so I think that's a beautiful picture of how God's love is for us. Yeah, we actually had somebody come out a few weeks ago who uh, was signing people up or doing some kind of blood testing or something. But when they showed up in the parking lot, we felt like there was something odd. And they were, so they were there, and Lauren had prayed a prayer and just said, Lord, if, if they're not supposed to be here, like, you know, whatever, make them leave or whatever, right? So they take out their little uh, pop-up tent to set it up. And just as they're trying, you know, these things aren't that hard to put up, right? They just pop up. So as they do it, one of the legs just falls out. And they couldn't get it back in. And then they finally got it back in, and the other leg fell out. And so finally they just gave up, right, and they just put it all away. And so we felt like that was a sign from God they weren't supposed to be there as well. Um, some people, I think, have different agendas, but our agenda is just to love. And we want to make sure the people that we minister to are loved. And we don't want anyone getting in the way of that. Right. Right. And um, so I think, too, that in D.C., we're, we're such a it's, – it's such an interesting culture because you have the government and then you have the city, Right. And so people forget that wow. D.C. is actually a city where people live and their kids and their children, they attend school. It's just like here, right? So <coughs> one thing that we do when we teach 
is we tell people, like, no matter how you feel about our current government, like, don't curse our city. Whenever you're speaking bad about D.C., that translates and we can feel it in the city. So, like, all of the stuff that's happening now, like, we always tell people, you know what, pray for your leaders. Pray for D.C. Like, there's an amazing move of God happening in our city right now. There's an awakening happening that's a spiritual wa awakening in the church in D.C., and there's a unity of different churches coming together like never before. So it's, it's phenomenal. And people often look at it as, the, yes, it's the nation's capital, but the, it's a city. Like, people live, <laughs> live there yeah, and go to work there, go to school there. there are, the church is healthy in D.C., um, God is really shifting things, opening doors for people like never before. But also, it's the hub of where all the world's embassies are. Mm -hmm. And so when we minister to people, we are not just ministering to Americans, but we're ministering to people from other countries that have come, and then they're able to share what they've learned and take it back to their country. So isn't that cool? Like, we get to be missionaries in our own city, and then they get to take it back to their own people in their own country. That's phenomenal. Yeah, there's actually 600, approximately 600,000 people live in D.C., but 800,000 come into the city every day to work, right? So we have a population that more than doubles during the day and then goes back. So that 600,000 are the actual residents that feel what everyone is speaking over them all the time. So yeah, please bless DC as much as you can. Yeah, so we actually have a, a thing that we do and um, we learned it from a friend. Um, so the, I'm gonna use this example right now about um, driving. So when we drive, we have opportunities <laughs> to say things to people or not. <laughs> And so our friend had the best idea ever. We were, we were driving with her, and someone cut us off, and she says, God bless you and your family <laughs> to, the, to the people. And so I thought, oh, that's a really nice way to bless somebody instead of yelling at them that they were stupid for cutting you off or anything else. And so I thought, hey, we can actually use that and practice that in every area of our life, right? So... When we, so this is for you guys, homework, right? When you hear something about DC and you get so frustrated, just stop before you make a comment and say, Lord, bless DC <laughs> and all the families. And then as soon as you start doing it more and more, we'll, we'll learn about patterns and things, but it'll just become second nature. So please bless our city. Yeah, we need all the blessings we can get. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're moving on. That's all about D.C. that you're going to get today for now. Okay, so before we dive into the healing piece, um, you know, I'm a scientific kind of guy, so I love science, so I'll just warn you right now. I love scientific studies, and so we want to talk a little bit about the science of the way our brain works because it's really important to understand some of the principles about how when we think through things, how it ends up in our brain, and it becomes these patterns. So um, there's been a lot of studies by Dr. Caroline Leaf in the last, what, she's like 20 or 30 years she's been doing this research. Brain, she's a brain scientist, a neuroscientist. So she studies how the brain works. And she has a great book called uh, Switch on Your Brain that you can read if you want to get some really in-depth information on this. That she talks all about how uh, not just our thought patterns affect our brain, but then the different parts of our brain and how they're affected and how everyone gets, everything gets interconnected. It's, it's very interesting if you like that type of stuff. But the point I want to give you today is that when we think about something, if we think about it over and over again, it eventually becomes physically part of who we are. 
Um, our body will create proteins in our brain to store those memories. <coughs> so it's kind of like if you're memorizing verses, right? You, you, you're repeating it over and over and over again, and eventually what happens, it gets stored. So your mind isn't actually in your brain, it's in your soul. And as you repetitively do things, that information gets stored into your brain and it becomes part of who you are. So the verse that says, as a man speaks, so is he, like that is literally true. It actually becomes part of who you physically are, your physical makeup, your DNA. Okay, so that's why whenever you have issues that happen to you in life, problems that happen, or somebody who hurts you or wounds you, it's so easy to always remember that because you start to think about, oh, this guy did this to me, or this happened, or that happened, mm -hmm. and it gets stored into your brain. And then every time you think about it, it comes back out, and it goes back into your brain, and it goes even deeper, and deeper, and deeper, and deeper, until eventually it's so, it's so far in there that it's hard to get out. And so that's why it's really easy that we can get trapped into these kind of toxic thinking patterns. So those thoughts create structures in your mind. They create neural pathways, and they create those stored memories. So, so we have to remember the more we think about things, the deeper those paths go and the deeper that it can get into who we are. Okay, and that's why we, ha we react the way we do to past experiences. So think about this. Negative thinking is going to create those negative pathways. Right. right? And if you ever met somebody who's always negative about everything, it's probably because over time they've thought about stuff to the point where it's created these negative pathways. But the reverse is also true. Positive thinking creates positive pathways in our brain. So it helps us to think posi positively about this. Right. Go ahead. So, for example, if you think about it, when you're around somebody who's complaining, like even if you try your hardest not to complain, if you stay in this conversation with the, per the person that's complaining, you're going to find yourself complaining as well. Right? <laughs> you guys can all relate to this, right? So if you think about it, if you are around somebody who's constantly positive or full of joy, it's contagious. You can't help it. Like even this morning, how Holy Spirit just came out, you know, with the laughter and the joy that was being released. Like it's contagious. So even like our physical bodies react to the positivity and the negativity as well. Yeah, and so you've heard the term, it takes 21 days to form a habit, right? That's actually scientifically proven. It takes about 21 days for these thoughts to really form deeply into your brain. And so then it also takes that 21 days, and we'll talk about that later, to, to change those pathways. You can actually change the way your brain is structured by the way you think. And so we'll get into that a little bit more. But the key is, be careful what you're thinking about, right? Somebody hurts you, somebody wounds you, or somebody cuts you off in traffic and you yell at them. Be careful what you're thinking about because it actually becomes part of who you are. And so our God designed our brains with this amazing capability, but we tend to take it to the wrong direction sometimes. Right. So we think and we ponder with our minds. Um, what I love about it is we can see our physical brain, but you can't see your mind. <laughs> right? Nobody has ever been able to say, oh, this is where your mind is in your body, because we can see it there. It's not an actual body part. Right? So what I love about this is actually... Psychology teaches that the mind is where our thoughts, our feelings, our attitudes, beliefs, and our imagination occur, right? So this is actually the place that God speaks to us the most, right? But if our minds and our hearts are not in alignment, then we can actually have this internal fighting dialogue in ourselves, which everybody knows that, right? The old cartoon, the little devil on the shoulder, the little angel on the shoulder, that's like an everyday occurrence, in our physical bodies with our minds and our hearts. But I think what I love about it is our, our thoughts become actual matters within the brain, like Jean said, and there are physical structures that
that are created in the brain to store the memories of our thoughts. So think about it like this. Have you ever seen like an ant farm? You know how ants, they dig these tunnels, and ants cannot see, right? But they use their antenna to feel their way. And so if you ever see ants in a line, and if you take your finger in the dirt and like put your finger across the line where they're marching, they get really confused because somebody has messed up their path, right? So think about it that way. When you have a thought pattern that you've constantly done, and if Holy Spirit just takes his finger and does this, then guess what? He can mess up that thought pattern <laughs> into any other way he wants it to be. So I think what we need to realize is that even though our brains might have already created these tunnels or these pathways, um, that with Holy Spirit, it can all be undone, right? And so um, in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? So we literally become what we think about. Um, and we've heard it even when we were little, like, you know, there's songs that we've sung, or, you know, if you're happy, you know it, clap your hands. And then, you know, so you start thinking about these things, and you know what, if you're happy, then people clap their hands. So we start associating um, what we're hearing with actual physically doing. So the, um, what we think in our heart is how we react. But think about it this way. When someone hurts us or wounds us, our reaction is going to be what's in our heart. Yep. Even though you might not intend to react that way, Whatever you've been har harboring is the way that you're actually going to respond, right? So that's why people say, like, test of true character is not in times of peace, but in times of conflict. So however, however you react in conflict is really where it shows where your heart is. Even though you feel like everything's okay, your heart will always tell you what, what you're really about, okay? Um, so those thoughts are transferred back into the mind when we recall them. In Isaiah 43 and 46, they both mention memories being recalled to our mind. So what actually happens is the scripture agrees with science, or maybe <laughs> it's the other way around. Yeah, so I love, it. I love it when science can prove scripture, yeah. right? Because we already know it's true, but then somebody comes along and figures out hey, this really does make sense and it really does work. And that's why when 2 Corinthians 10.5 mm -hmm. says, take every thought captive, yeah. right? It's very, very important. Mm -hmm. uh, are we ready for that yet? Oh, yeah, we're almost there. Can you put that first slide up on the screen for us? It's up there. Oh, look at that. That's amazing. It was that <laughs> quick. <laughs> okay, so let's zoom out just a little bit and let's think about the mind and the context of the rest of our being, okay? So we look at this image and we see this is how God divinely created things to be. Right? We have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. The spirit should always be in charge of our being, not the body, not the soul. Uh, because that's, that, what's the verse? Um, live by the spirit, not by the flesh. I can't remember where it's located at. But right, that's the idea. We always live by the spirit so we can keep things in control. So if you go to the next slide, we'll see what it looks like. So if you put your body over your soul and your spirit, what's going to happen? You're going to be living from the perspective of your flesh, of your physical desires, right? And if you put your soul in charge of the body and the spirit, you're going to be living from a, an emotional perspective, right? And your emotions are going to rule your life. So those are, not the, those are not the appropriate ways to do it. The appropriate way is to always keep your spirit as, uh, as the one in charge. And so 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. God cares about all three parts. He cares about all three parts. We can be wounded in all three of those areas. And as long as we keep the spirit in charge, we're going we're gonna to move a lot better. Um, 
We know that the physical body is easy to define, right? We can see the parts of our body. But our soul is a little bit harder to define because we can't actually see it. So what psychologists have taught for years is that your, your soul is where your mind, your will, and your emotions are stored. And if we jump into Scripture, we see once again that the science confirms what Scripture is being said. Uh, Proverbs 19.2 shows that knowledge is part of our soul. It says that the soul shouldn't be without knowledge. Psalm 77.2 talks about um, the emotional part of the soul, where David is saying that his soul refused to be comforted. Mm-hmm. And then Job 7.15 talks about that willpower, where it says, my soul chooses strangling, well, that's not a fun verse, strangling <laughs> and death, right, Job? Okay, you know, he was, he was in a rough spot, right? <laughs> so we see, so we see, not, we see the, the mind part, we see the will part, and we see the emotional part yeah. are right there in the soul. Even, even um, in Mark 14, 34, it says, my soul is deeply grieved. So there's another emotional component to the soul. Right. And I think a great example of that is, is when you wake up in the morning, how you feel emotionally is what sets the tone for the rest of your day, right? So if you already get up in the morning and you feel overwhelmed, your whole day is going to be like that. So like, I, and I, I kind of laugh about it, but we, we always say it like, oh, it's Monday. Like, like what if we said, hey, it's Monday. <laughs> like, it's the first day of the work week. Like, I'm going to have a great work week. Like, just a little shift in perspective is all we need. Like, we already know it here, but just a little tweak to the right or left <laughs> is, it will, is what will change there. Yeah, that's good. Okay, and so the other piece is that the soul... So much happens in our soul. Our soul can be wounded just like our body can. Yeah. Right? We can fall down a set of stairs and hurt our leg or hurt our back. But we can also be wounded in the soul when someone, when someone sins against us or when we sin against ourselves. We can create wounds on our soul that affect our mind, um, our emotions, and our will. And we're going to jump into that right now. Right. So in Mark 9, 47, 48, in the Amplified Version, because it does a really good job I'm um, talking about, it talks about um, that the that if your eye causes you to stumble and sin, pluck it out, right? Um, it's more profitable and wholesome for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes than to be thrown into hell, right? Where the worm which preys on the ha- inhabitants and is a symbol of the wounds inflicted on the man himself by his sins, right? Or the sins of others. So what we talk about is that these soul wounds are, are really hard because we can't physically see them. We can feel them emotionally, and what's crazy is that our heart and our brain communicate in ways that are fascinating, right? So when we are wounded or hurt, our brain, sorry, our heart sends a message to our brain, that was not a fun experience. I don't want to experience that again. And then immediately, there's like a brick, right? And then the more and more these things happen, the heart is like, hey, brain, we need more bricks. Like, so then that's when we start building walls, right? So then we start building walls based on our experience, and our brain is actually tricking our soul into thinking that you're safe because it's created this wall for you, when in actuality it's a lie saying that, you know, that this is how it's supposed to be all the time, and this is how you're going to actually cope. So it becomes a coping mechanism is what we call it in counseling and in therapy. Right? So you create these coping mechanisms to prevent your emotions or your soul 
right, from being physically hurt. And a lot of times, some people are so wounded that that's the only way they can survive is all of these coping mechanisms that they've created for themselves. And what I love about how God created us is there's a time and a season where we need to have some of those protections so that we can be healthy. But then God comes in and says, okay, you can let go now, and I'm going to take all of those things away, and I'm going to make you healthy and whole, right? Yeah, when we do one-on-one sessions with people for inner healing, that wall concept comes up a lot. And sometimes as you're leading them through prayers, one of the prayers we have people pray is to ask God, can this wall come down now? Mm -hmm. Once that wound is healed, then the wall's not needed anymore. But for a season, that wall could be needed to create a little bit of protection, right? That's just the way our, our minds tend to work. So taking down those walls should ultimately be the goal once the wound is healed. And um, so why is it important for us to know if we have soul wounds? Because once we know that they're there and how they occurred, then that's how we know how we can be healed, right? So I can, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that we all have soul wounds, like we or ha- have had soul wounds, right? Because there have been times where we've been disappointed, disappointed by people, may- maybe even God, by ourselves. So those things create wounds. And what happens when, when we accept Christ into our lives, we have hope, right? And we have, we're, we're saved and we're brought into this family to be saved from eternal damnation and hell. But we still have some wounds that we need to heal through. So it's salvation is a process. Like, yes, once you receive Jesus, it's not the end game, it's the beginning game, right? So then as you develop a relationship with him, he brings you through a healing process. Um, so how can soul wounds affect us? Well, they can affect the way we think, right? There's this thing called the law of first mention, and it's actually um, is scientific that shows the first time you hear something about something, then no matter if it's true or not, you take it as truth. For example, um, if I said to you, sushi is disgusting because it's raw fish. If you've never tried sushi before, and you hear me say that, and that's the first time you've heard anything about sushi, the next time somebody invites you to sushi, you're like, oh no, that's disgusting, it's raw fish. Like, even if you haven't tried it yourself, which I love sushi, it's delicious, but some people in their mind, they're never going to try it because the first time they heard something about it, it was bad, (laughs) right? So no matter if it's truth or not. So this is why with our children, it's so important to teach them that they're no different than adults when it comes to Holy Spirit because you guys are the law of first mention in their lives, right? Whether, whether you want to speak these things in your children's lives or not, somebody's going to speak truth into their lives, and it should be us, right? And so, like, you, you think about what they're learning in school. If the first time they hear about something um, is from their teacher— and then they hear about it from you later, they're not going to believe you. They're going to believe the teacher because the first time they heard it was from the teacher, right? So, so we encourage people at an early age to start teaching children about who they are, how they can, um, you know, impact their culture instead of the culture impacting them as well. Um, also, what happens is when you remember something, you also remember the emotion attached to that memory, right? So think about um, our senses are incredible. God created us so amazingly. Like sometimes, you know, when you walk into a place 
and you smell something, it'll trigger a memory of something. Like, um, for instance, when I came in here, I saw this church, and it reminded me of a church that actually my grandmother and several people, <coughs> excuse me, um, my family attend in Florida. It's a small country church like this. Right, well, this is not country, but you know what I mean. Um, but they're not <laughs> Pentecostal or charismatic. <coughs> no. So it's actually nothing like it, but the building, <laughs> the building is similar. But the smell of the old wood, the, as soon as I walked in, like all these memories flooded back. Like, wow, like we used to have picnics on the grounds and all this. Like, so all of that, like it just associated with all these good times in my life, right? So we do that um, because we have soul wounds or positive things that have happened in our lives, right? So also, we have trigger points. So trigger points, when we refer to trigger points in therapy, we talk about things that will cause you to kind of go on a, a downward spiral. Usually it's made in the negative um, connotations. So if you know, for example, you're going to walk into a situation and there's a person in your office who's extremely toxic to you, then you should be prepared <laughs> before you go and, and are around this person, right? So in your mind or in your soul, right, you recognize, okay, this person has been really rude to me before. I don't want to be around her or, or him, right? But if you go into your office with the expectation of, you know what, I'm going to love this person despite the rudeness and the meanness, and then try practicing that day after day, right? And you'll notice things change. Um, so the reason why we are happy or angry, et cetera, when we think about a memory is because of the wound or the tie that it's created in our body. That's good. Okay, so the other soul things that soul wounds can affect is your will, right? Sometimes these wounds on our soul can, can cause us to take actions in our lives, like habitual actions, and we don't even realize we're doing it, but it's just because of this wounding in our soul. Um, so if you've ever met somebody who just doesn't have any control in certain areas of their life, it's probably a result of a soul wound. If you think about somebody who, um, I don't know, who's a kleptomaniac and like they can't control just taking stuff all the time. The result is because it's a wounding in their soul that's created something that caused them to always have to want to do this and they just don't have any control over it. Anger is another good example of that. People just get instantly angry, right, when, we, um, when, when they get around certain situations because that soul wound yeah. triggers something that causes that to happen, right? And these wounds also can affect uh, our relationships, the way we interact with others. Job said, I speak in the bitterness of my soul, right? So we can have reactions towards people based on those wounds in our soul. Right. And some other ways that our soul can be wounded are actually when we open a door through personal sin. So when we, uh, Matthew 6, 22 says that there, our eye is a lamp to the body. And Ephesians 4.27, do not give the devil an opportunity. So I was, um, we were sharing with the leadership last night about how sometimes we um, make bad choices and there are natural consequences to those choices, but sometimes we, we say, well, we're being attacked by the enemy. Well, no, it was really just a consequence of your bad choice. So when, when we do things, sometimes um, I was telling, we were explaining to the group that, you know, the enemy doesn't need any reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Like, we, we already have Jesus in us, so we fight from victory. We are already victorious. 
So when we constantly are saying, well, I'm under attack, the enemy's attacking us, then you're actually giving him power that he doesn't have, right? So even changing some of our thought patterns and how we speak, because we, we just kind of casually do it because that's the way we've already heard, or, but we don't ever give validity into the power that our, and authority our voice and our word actually carries. Yeah, it's so easy to just get wounded and not even realize we're responding out of that place. You think of like a really extreme example, like slavery, for example. Mm-hmm. Slavery, you know, one of my big, fa- one of our big passions, I don't know if you guys know this, there's this huge human trafficking problem in the world. There's like 30, 28 million people currently in captivity or something like that. Um, there, are more, there are more slaves today than there ever have been in history. Yeah. In 2017. Right. Isn't that yeah. crazy? So, so you think about that. Like that can destroy your identity. It can destroy your, your will. Um, you come out of a situation like that, how wounded do you think that person is going to be? Mm-hmm. Right? It's going to be really intentional. It's going to really affect their willpower. It's going to affect the way they view people. If, it, if someone was like forced into sexual slavery, it's going to affect the way that they see men and their relationships with men in the future. Or, right? women, yeah. or women, vice versa, right? So yeah. it can go really, really deep. And so we just have to keep an eye on that. Right. Another, another way that we can experience a soul wound is if through abuse, whether it's physical or emotional or verbal. Right. If we are, um, if someone has hurt us physically, or emotionally, or um, verbally, then we are guarded always. Right. So even even our physical bodies react. Yeah. So when you're when you're in a situation and you're fear, you feel like you're being threatened. I don't know if you notice this, but people will tend to do this. Like you get a little tense. Right. So a lot of people that have a lot of neck pain, it's because they're holding that tenseness or that they're always on guard. And so that's, that's actually how our body manifests that. Yeah. When people try to manipulate us, that can create wounds. If you think about somebody who's very passive-aggressive, trying to force you into doing things, mm-hmm. right, over time, that creates wounds on our soul. You got yeah. an example? Yeah. And a great example is this is as kids, yeah. right? We don't think about this, but how many of you guys have a younger brother or sister, right? How many of you ever talked them into doing something so you can gain from that? right hey you go talk to mom and dad so we can get this or you tell mom and dad this and we can get this so actually that's not (laughs) I mean it's not good behavior anyways but those things can actually cause woundings as children like like these people are constantly wanting me to do something so they can gain and we don't realize that that it causes a wound in us because it's something that happens so young and we're not really thinking about ourselves in that way yet as far as inner and emotional well-being happens because our brain is not actually formed, doesn't stop forming until we're 25, right? So we are not thinking about those things yet. So if we're teaching good mental health and emotional awareness to our young ones and start them off early, then when we do inner healing as a church or even as ministers, we would have way less to deal with because almost 100% of the time, anybody who comes in for an appointment for inner healing, it's because of something in their childhood. Yeah, it's amazing how it all goes back to ch- childhood. Yeah. Even if you think about the way parents speak to their kids, right? They're, if a parent's speaking very negatively to a child, or, oh, you're dumb, or you're stupid, or you're never going to be able to do this, as that child grows up and then they have all this difficulty in life, it's most likely a result of what the parents were speaking over them. Mm-hmm. We met a guy in uh, Tucson, I guess it was about a year ago. We were doing some ministry at a church, yeah. and I noticed he was just hanging out in the back of the room. He was just in the last pew by himself, wasn't engaging with anybody. So during ministry time, I went to talk to him. And he was probably 65, 70. He was, he was much older. 
And as I began to talk to him and, and just pray over him, I just felt like there was forgiveness for his parents that he needed to give. And it turns out as a kid, he was in this situation where his parents were very angry towards him all the time. And he'd been carrying that for like 65 years, right? He'd carried this wound and it's affected his life, almost his entire life, simply because of the words people were speaking against yeah. him, creating wounds on his soul. So that, you know, it just highlights the point that we can't carry this stuff with us. We have to release it. We can't carry unforgiveness. We have to release as people are wounding us. We have to just be able to, to move forward. Yeah. So another, another way that we can be wounded is through rejection. And that's probably one of the most common ways that we minister to people is people that have been rejected. Remember when I said, like, we're a magnet for wounded people? <laughs> like, we, we really are. And, and we know it's because Holy Spirit in us has done such healing in our lives that, that people are drawn because they want to see um, healing. So what happens a lot of times is we feel rejected or undervalued. And so when we agree with that feeling, even even if it's true and someone did reject you, if you agree with that, it's easier to agree with that the next time and the next time and the next time. So finally you start believing, well, people really don't value you. Or like people don't value me. That's what you think. And so that's kind of one of the it's it's silly if you think about it. I mean, we overcomplicate everything, but if you look in the Bible, how did Satan get Eve to sin? Right? He caused her to doubt what she knew about God and what he said. Right? He said, Did did God really say that? <laughs> like just cause a little bit of doubt, right? So it's so silly. He uses the same game plan that he's been using since the beginning of time. So then we're all like, oh, we should know. Like, hey, this is the way that Satan's going to try to trick us or get us to, to not believe who we are, right? Yeah, so whether it's abuse or manipulation or rejection or any of these other tactics of the enemy, our soul can get wounded. And it can also, ultimately, it could lead to spiritual problems if you carry it long enough. The enemy loves to come along and attack wounded people. I don't know what it looks like in the spirit realm, but I imagine that it's visible. I imagine you could probably see it. And so I think the enemy loves that. We see this in physical, physical healing realm sometimes. If someone gets in a car wreck or they're in a traumatic event and they have an injury, sometimes there's a spirit of trauma that comes alongside and that they won't be healed until that spirit of trauma is dealt with. And then suddenly they'll see physical healing simply from command of the spirit to leave. So the enemy loves taking advantage of that, even if it's unfair. Right? The enemy, the enemy doesn't fight fair. Right. A great, a great example of this is when you meet somebody and you've never met them before, but you automatically are like, uh, like, I don't want to, yeah, no, I don't want to talk to you. Like, who are you? Like, and you immediately start having this opinion about this person, but you've never met them before. A lot of times it's because they carry this rejection on them and with them. It's become like, like a backpack <laughs> that they carry everywhere. Right? And they don't even know it a lot of times because they've just been carrying it. But sometimes we can see this. Like we've asked God to show us root causes of why people need healing or what it is. And so, so we can sometimes see that on people, like this rejection. And then God will, you know, use us to be able to help them through that process. Yeah. But and so like in that yeah. example, right, yeah. it's almost like a demon is standing behind them saying, reject me, reject me, reject me, because they want that person to be rejected right. and, to, and to feel more woundedness as a result of it. Right. Or ever, however, have you ever been in a place where you, 
you get a thought and you're like, wait, I don't think that way. Why is that happening? It's because somebody around you might struggle with that. Like, for example, for me, it would be depression. Like, I, I rarely get depressed because I, God has given me such freedom and, and knowing how great his love is. So when I'm in a place and I start feeling like, oh, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I think I'll go eat some worms. Like, I'm like, wait a minute, where is that coming from? That's not from and from me. And so I'll be okay. Well, God, who is this? Like, I just ask that you just release, like, freedom and peace and joy, you know, into their lives, and they'll see, they'll see truth. And sometimes they'll show me who that person is, and he'll give me a way for me to talk to them, I- even if we're, like, in the grocery store or something. Um, or if we're ministering, like, he'll show me some things and we'll minister. But it's interesting how even though you might not recognize it supernaturally, God is already giving you that discernment, but it's a matter of you awakening to knowing that that's what's happening. Holy Spirit is showing you, hey, I'm feeling something that's not mine. So asking him, hey, God, what do I do with this? Yeah. That's good. That's good. And so the soul is often an area where the enemy likes to attack us. Psalms uh, 143.3 says the enemy has persecuted my soul. Mm-hmm. Right? The enemy loves that. Um, there's a lot of battles related to soul wounds. Mm. A lot of our battles that we deal with in life are probably as a result of a soul wound, something we did or something somebody else did to us. And it can be very difficult to win those battles if we don't deal with the wounds, mm. right? We need to get rid of those wounds. And so even as I talked earlier, the physical healing piece, you know, we've seen people who um, had really bad arthritis, but it was connected to unforgiveness. And when they forgave the person they needed to forgive, suddenly they were healed of arthritis. doesn't mean all arthritis is like that, but sometimes those soul wounds will actually manifest into physical areas. Mm. Okay, but the great news is we can perform our own brain surgery, there's this concept called neuroplasticity. This is the scientific piece again. And what it talks about is that you can actually rewire your brain. As you think, right, that 21 days to form a habit thing, as you think about things, it creates new neural pathways. And over time, the neural pathways that you don't use anymore start to deteriorate and break down and go away. So those toxic thoughts can actually be taken out of your brain by just thinking about the good things and blessing the people who have hurt you and getting the prayer and the healing for what you need and then thinking from a different perspective. And when you do, the new pathways get formed, the old pathways eventually die away. Right, and, and we joked earlier about the whole God bless you and your family when somebody cuts you up in traffic. But we're just, let's That's just so say true. a lot of people in Maryland, Del- Delaware, and New Jersey got blessed on our way up here. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people got blessed. <laughs> but, but what I love about God is he wants our souls to be in good health. So we talk about healthcare, like our bodies should be healthy, our, our, um, you know, our families should be healthy, but we don't ever talk about soul care, caring, caring for us. Sorry, caring for our soul. And so what, what um, we've been doing is we've been teaching people about pampering your soul. Right. So the idea of like, hey, if you're going to go to a spa to pamper your body, hey, let's create an experience to pamper your soul. So what we do is we do like an awakening of freedom. And um, in 1 John 1, 2, it says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And then in Psalm 23, 3, he says, he restores my soul. So David talked about how God is the restorer of his soul. So one of the key ways to have good soul health is to, um, to heal, right? We need to heal to have good soul health. So a lot of times when we, when we go for healing, we, we kind of just 
put like a band-aid on something. And then we wait till it kind of scabs over and then we take the band-aid off and we're like, okay, we're good. But then there's all sometimes that leaves a scar, right? So I'm trying to give you a good visual of what an actual soul wound can look like so we can kind of understand this. But then what happens is that that root area where that first injury happened, it, it changed the way your body is. Because like, well, for example, I scratched myself at Costco the other day, right? <laughs> so, okay, well, that, that's a scratch on my body. And so, but if it had gotten deep, then it would have been infected, right? And then it would have been just festered and just, so that's what happens actually in our soul when we receive wounding, right? So the way to heal is, the first one is this, is to receive forgiveness. Um, as someone who is a, a healer, meaning I have compassion for lots of people, my mission in, my mission in life before God showed me the correct order <laughs> was I need to make sure everybody else is okay and then I need to make sure I'm okay. Right? But if the greatest commandment is to love our God with all your heart, mind, and spirit, right? And then to love our neighbors as ourselves. If we can't love ourselves well, then how can we love our neighbors well? So what's happening is you have people, us, walking around. We have Jesus in our hearts, but we, we're not living with healthy souls. So even though we're trying to love people like Jesus did, we're only loving them like we know how to love because of the woundings and the things that have happened to us. So we are not 100% sufficient, right? Because we've not allowed Jesus to come in and heal everything from the soul. So what happens is we unintentionally wound others because we're wounded, and so we do that to other people. So the first thing that I learned was that um, because of my compassion for people, I was really quick to judge people that didn't treat others well when actually I was one of those people <laughs> because I was actually judging and treating the people that weren't treating people well, treating them badly. Does that make sense? So I was hypocritically doing what I was mad at other people for doing. So then I, when God gave me that revelation, I was like so... I was offended by God. I was like, God, but I love people. <laughs> He's like, you don't love people like I love people. And <clears throat> he quickly showed me where I needed to receive forgiveness from him for trying to be God. Right? So when I looked at people that in, in my mind, and of course in the law's eyes were we're not kind, we're, we're criminals or doing things or doing things to, you know, bad things to people, my mind had already judged them and I wasn't able to love them like God loved them. So um, God, God gave me, you know, a butt kicking and he said, Lauren, you're going to need to ask forgiveness for this from me. And so I was like, okay, God. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And I said, what does that mean exactly? Do I have to love them, love them? Or do I have to just be nice to them or tolerate them? He's like, no, you need to love them and pray for them as if they were your family. And I was like, uh, mm, I don't know if I'm quite ready for that, God. And then God was saying, okay, well, then what is it in you that's not allowing me to do this? And so I had to pause and, and, 
And Gina and I have been Christians for a long time, and, and this year we'll celebrate our 21st anniversary. And, um, and about, so about 10 years we've been living in this lifestyle of, of walking in the supernatural. And God said, are you okay with just living your life halfway, or do you want to live 100% with me, right? And so I was like, Mm, well, I'm doing pretty good over here. <laughs> like, I'm comfortable. We're in ministry, <laughs> you know. With we're leading people, and you know, we're seeing good fruit, God. So, I I think I might need a little bit of a time, and and it was a process for me, really, to let go of what I had because I had pushed it so deep that I had kind of said, "Okay, God, I've already asked for forgiveness, and I've already forgiven these people, so I'm good." But I didn't realize that I had just kind of kept a little bit back, just in case. <laughs> right? So um, God really just said, Lauren, you need, to receive, you need to receive the forgiveness for yourself for treating people this way. But first, in order to receive the forgiveness, you need to know that you've sinned. And this is not, this is not who you are. It's not who I created you to be. So... Finally, um, there's a book by Lauren Cunningham called um, Laying Down Your Rights. And it talks about laying down your right to be right or ha- your right to have rights, to live a submissive life in Christ. And um, honestly, I had the book for a long time, but five times it took for me to pick up the book and then put it down and said, oh, nope, not ready to hear that yet. And Finally, I said, okay, God, I'm in a place where I can hear this. And so I read the book, and um, afterwards I said, okay, God, forgive me for doing this. Forgive me. I'm going to give you 100% of me. And um, then I was able to forgive myself, and then, and then at that point it was easier for me to really forgive other people. Right? And so that, that is actually the step. So the first step is, is letting God know that there is a healing, um, that you're ready to receive that healing, right? One of the other things that we need to do to receive healing is to renounce the lies that we've been believing, right? One of the most common lies that we hear people say is that nobody understands how I'm feeling. I'm all alone. That is like the biggest lie ever. Like you have a beautiful family here. You guys have a very beautiful set of pastors here who love you and and would love to to come you know to walk you through healing but we're here today too because we want you guys to receive freedom and to be able to walk in truth because when God reveals to you that you've been believing a lie he will never leave you hanging he will always replace it with truth right and what's amazing is a lot of times we hear the truth but because we are so entrenched in the lie, we don't even realize that we're deceived, right? Have you ever tried to tell somebody, hey, this is what's wrong? Like, this, if you just did this, then you would be all right, but they just won't listen? I'm, I'm sure nobody's ever experienced that, <laughs> right? But that's because they're so entrenched in this lie that it's hard for them to even see truth, right? So in, in the field of addiction, we there's a a model that we use to show people like this right here is the norm right this is what you look like when you're normal okay when you're 
in a life of addiction, of any type of addiction, you're down here and you're struggling just to be up here so you can feel normal, right? So you're actually using or doing what you're, what's wrong just to feel like you're normal because you are so deficient and you're so bought into these lies, right? So God is going to wipe all that away and show you truth. Okay, we're running out of time, but I got a really cool story to tell you. And then we'll do some declarations and see what happens. Um, we really feel like we're in this season where God is shifting times and seasons right now. On um, uh, Palm Sunday, on Palm Sunday, so we have this old German antique clock that sits in our house. We've had it for years. We bought it when we lived in Germany or somebody gave it to us. But we don't use it. It just sits there as kind of a display piece. It never gets wound. It's kind of you got to wind and you got to hit the pendulum to make it swing, all that kind of stuff. So it's just sat there for years, never wound, and on Palm Sunday we get up, and we're eating breakfast, and we hear this ticking sound in our kitchen. We're like, what in the world? And we look over, and the clock is running. It's ticking, right? And we're like, okay, what's this about? Now, Lauren, did you wind the clock? No, I didn't wind the clock. Did you wind the clock? I didn't wind the clock, right? Nobody wound the clock, but suddenly this clock is just tick, 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 ticking away. So I go, and I find the little winding key, and I check it, and all three points on the clock are fully wound to the right. So it's completely wound up, it's ticking, and I just heard the Lord saying, like, this is the time. We're shifting into a new time and a new season. And, and it continued ticking that way for about 10 days, and then one evening we're at home, and we're watching TV, and suddenly we feel the presence of God come into the room, and so we stop the TV, and the first thing we notice is the clock is now ticking twice as fast. Tick, 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 In tick, double tick, time, tick, tick, yeah. Tick. Right? Physically impossible for the pendulum to swing that fast because of the way it's weighted. But now this clock is ticking twice as fast. And we heard the Lord talking about how this season is going to be a season of acceleration. Yeah. And, that, and we really feel like this isn't just for us. It's for the body sure, of Christ yeah. that we're shifting into new seasons. And it continued ticking that way until the last day of the month. And then it just went back to normal. We woke up the first day of May and it was back to normal. It wasn't doing anything at all. So it's just sitting there again. Yeah, but the things were still wound, which is crazy. Right. They were still wound tight. We didn't touch it. So I don't want to yeah. touch it because I want to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. So the point is, as we're moving into this new season, I really feel like it's important not to carry stuff with us that we don't need in this new season. We need to be able to leave it behind. And so we want to do, um, we want to do this group declaration that we put together. We combined a few other people's things. Can you get the next slide up there for us, please? Okay, can everybody see that? Can everyone stand yeah, for a moment? Let's great. stand and stretch a little bit. And then we're going to say this together. So you see there's some kind of fill-in-the-blank part. So you can fill in the blanks where you need to. Or you can just take a picture of it if you want to do it later and put in names and that oh. kind of stuff. I think it's a great idea to take a picture of it to do later in case there's somebody else you can't think of yeah. right now. But That's I think great. it's important that we do it all together now out loud. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody ready? Wait, get your photos? taking pictures. And I'm sure your amazing pastors could email a copy of this to you as well. They're oh. going to put it on their website or on their Facebook. Okay, we ready? Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Everybody together. In the name of Jesus. As an act of mercy. to bring revenge. I release him or her from my hands and I place them into your hands. I break every curse I have sent to them 
and I call forth a blessing towards them. I renounce all lies I have believed about this issue, this person. I command the toxic neural pathways to dissolve and the toxic thoughts to leave me now. I declare myself to be free from this. And I speak life, health, and healing into my soul. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for believing these lies and ask that you would heal my soul of this wound. Anybody feel anything on, when you did that? We're just going to pause for just a minute. Okay, now that you've forgiven, what we're going to do is we're going to declare truth over ourselves. <laughs> so if we can get the next slide, please. Okay. So, um, yep, so let's read this together and say it like you mean it, okay? <laughs> I am a child of the King. I am a co-heir with Jesus. All Jesus bought and paid for is my inheritance. I am united with Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. I died with him. I was buried with him, and I was raised with him. I am his friend. I am seated with him in the heavenlies, far above all rule, all power, all authority, every dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Therefore, I carry the authority of Christ. I have authority over sickness, over sin, over the flesh, over demons, and over the world. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I will displace the darkness. I have the full armor of God. Next slide. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the sandals of peace. I take up the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, for the weapons of my warfare are not fleshly. They are divinely powerful to tear down the strongholds of darkness. I can do all things through Christ, because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Amen. Amen. All right, so if you can, bow your heads, and we're going to say a prayer. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We just thank you for your presence that's been here hovering this whole morning. We thank you for blessing us with the joy that brings freedom, the joy that brings strength, the joy that breaks chains. Father, we thank you for life. We thank you that you want to restore every part of us that feels dry and parched, and even the deepest and ugliest of wounds that we've been carrying. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and pour out over us right now. Just fill this room. <laughs> 